0: chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, Now, when Jesus is going to ask this, he is asking the most important question of the ages, the most important question that God has ever asked mankind. He's asking his disciples, the the guys that are about to turn the world upside down. He asks them the most significant question in human history. Are you ready? Who do you say that I am? Not who does everybody else say that I am, but who do you say I am? The question Of the ages. And then Simon Peter answered, like always, right? You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus replies, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say, my church. church. Now it's our church, but it's his church, right? It's only your church because you're his. Are you with me? So he says this he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the beginnings of what we call the church right here. This is when Jesus mentioned the church. The, the, The word church in Greek is a Greek word called ecclesia and ecclesia simply means the called out ones it was like god looked as it as it said in first chronicles that god was looking to to and fro the whole earth he is looking around and he said i want that one and i want that one and i want that one so the church is the ones that god looked and he said that's the one i want come on be with me are you with me how many know that you didn't pick jesus jesus picked you Right? I remember when I was a kid and I used to play kickball when I was in grade school. And, and I always wanted to be picked first. How you guys know what I'm talking about? And usually I wasn't. And so uh, I, would, I would always want to be that guy. But how many know that Jesus picks you? And it's not just like somebody that's great on the earth that you know. But Jesus, the king of the universe, picked you. And he called you out, not just so you could be an awesome individual, but so you could be part of something that's greater than you could ever be alone. The church. And it's his church. It's not our church. Overflow isn't our church. It's his church. We'll say that. I love my church. This is where I fellowship. This is where, and that's okay for us to say that, but it's his church. It's not our church. Are you with me? It wasn't Peter's church. It was Jesus's church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so born out of this question that Jesus asked was also born the church. Who do you say I am? The church is just full of people that can answer one question. Who do you say he is? And we answered that and we said, you're Jesus. You're the Savior of my soul. You're the one who rescued me. You're the Messiah. You're the one that all the prophets have spoke about. You're not one of the prophets. You're the one. And we say, yes. We respond to your question. Who do you say I am? We say, yes, Jesus. You are Christ, Son of the living God. There has so, been so much speculation over what jesus was talking here when he speaks to peter the name peter means uh, petros and petros means little rock it actually means a rock that could be moved a rock that you would see on the ground it's a big rock it's a stone but you could move it you could turn it upside down you could build things with this rock but it could be moved and jesus said you're peter and upon this rock and now he wasn't talking about the rock of peter Come on, are you with me? And many people say, well, he was, Peter was the first pope. You know, when Jesus said this, he was the first pope. No, 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 Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So Jesus is talking about his church. But how many know that when Jesus builds his church, he builds it with people? He builds it with movable stones. Now, we know Peter, right? We talk about Peter all the time. Peter was a movable stone. Right? He was very movable, just like you, just like me, very movable, easy to overturn, easy to tip over, come on. however, also easy to build with. Come on. come on, are you with me? And so the word, the name P- uh, Peter means little rock or a piece of a rock, a movable stone. However, Jesus, we, we, you know that the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, now that we have received a kingdom, That cannot be shaken. And so whereas we can be shaken, what we're a part of cannot be. Can I tell you this morning that the church will endure the ages. We will endure the ages. The church, the church of Jesus, the church at large, the capital C church, not overflow little C church, but the big church, the church at large. Those that have answered the question and say, you are Christ, son of the living God. Those will stand the ages We will live and rule and reign with Jesus forever. We will because he called us out and he picked us. Everybody say, I'm in on that. You're in on that. You're part of the kingdom. You are now part, even though shaken in your own right, you're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You're part of something that cannot be moved. Why? Because your trust is in the rock, Jesus, not in yourself. So Peter, you know, gets this revelation. He hears all this stuff. And he's greatly encouraged. How many know that Peter made some bad choices even after this? Come on, are you with me? But we see in the book of Acts that Peter has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, starting next week, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about that for several weeks. We're going to be doing the, the film, the Holy Ghost film within that. But Peter had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it didn't just change Peter. It changed the world, and we see this in Acts chapter 2 when when Peter and the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The one who always spoke first spoke again, and he stood up, and he declared Jesus, and he declared the the revelation that he had of Jesus because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke. And we see, if you read in the book of Acts, it says the whole known world was turned upside down. They reached the whole known world with the gospel. A man like Peter, who doubted, who rejected Jesus, who denied, now had an encounter that transformed him, and not only transformed him, this one guy, but actually transformed the world. Listen, revelation is what he got. He had a revelation of the Holy Spirit, and his revelation was good at this moment, but it became alive when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Revelation is a byproduct of encounter. When you have an encounter with God, You get revelations. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa. Like, you can say, oh, man, God loves me, right? The Bible tells me so, right? You could grow up singing that song, right? Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so, right? You could even sing it however you want. But until you have a revelation of that, it doesn't mean much. It's just words on a page. And that's great. That's good. But until it becomes real to you, it means nothing. And I believe this, that all revelation is based in that revelation, the love of God. Come on. So when you have an encounter, when the Holy Spirit confronts you, when you have a meeting with God and you are face to face with the eternal one, you become unshaken in what he just spoke to you. It's called encounter. And then what you have out of that, what you take away from that is revelation. So now all of a sudden you're going around and you're like, God loves me. Can you believe it? And people are like, yeah, sure. He loves me too. He loves everybody. Well, what's the difference? They know it, but you got the revelation. It's real to you. So when we have encounters, they always breed revelation. So when God comes and he speaks something to us and he rocks our world, we're totally transformed. We're going around. We're telling everybody. We're like, you would not believe God loves me. And they're like, yeah, God's always loved you. How many know it's different for you? Because you had the encounter. So Jesus said, Peter, you're Petros. And then he says, but upon this rock, Petra, which is an unmovable rock, a large foundation stone. And he said, upon this rock, upon this Petra, not upon the Petros, but the Petros will be set upon the Petra, and I will build my church. And we see Peter speak of this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. But he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Everybody say, I'm a living stone. So just like Peter was a little stone, you're a little stone. You're a living stone. And God is building his church in and through the people of God. Come on, are you with me? The church isn't a building. Come on, it's not an event. It's a people. It's a people of living stones that God is building his kingdom upon. So we are the church. Say, we are the church. The, the other thing that he tells Peter, and this is my favorite part. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? I have, what, 2012 Scion XB out there. And if, if, if I said, man, I like my Scion, it's my Scion. But here you go, Dalton. And I gave him the keys. <laughs> how do you know? How many of you know that now Dalton has the power to control the scion? So God didn't say, I'm keeping the keys. He said, no, 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 no. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And then he uses this weird language, right? And so people get into all this kind of weird theology with it. he says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, or whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? And we're going, what's binding and loosening? Well, bonding and loosening is tying and untying. Well, how do you tie and untie with keys? Well, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. You don't. But with keys, you do the same thing because you can lock and unlock. Right. And so where Jesus is using the language of bonding and loosening, we've got to understand it in our mind as locking and unlocking because locking and unlocking is the same as tying and untying. So he says, you had the keys to unlock and lock so we're all like oh it's just whatever god wants to do whatever god wants to do and you know what god's saying what do you want to do because you got the keys where do you want to go you want to see people healed you got the keys you want to see people set free you got the keys you're not the powerful one it's his church it's his authority but we have the keys to unlock what's in heaven on the earth guess what there's healing in heaven is anybody sick in heaven Is anybody poor in heaven? Is anybody in bondage in heaven? No. So why are there people like that on the earth? Because the key holders aren't unlocking. You got the keys. What if they don't get here? You got the keys. I got the keys. We got the keys. We We get the keys for this whole world. We we just sit around and rather post on Facebook how much we hate the government and how corrupt everything is. You got the keys. You, got, you don't get the keys to the government. You got the keys to heaven. You got the keys for the whole thing. What are we releasing on the earth? You have supernatural power that supersedes natural. Well, if this would. If you would. Well, if they would. No, 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 no. If we would. We do it with authority, but we do it with the authority of Jesus that we would serve like kings and we would rule like servants. I mean, Jesus, come on! Jesus didn't just put you in the game; he gave you the ball. Come on! How many say that he gave me the ball? He put you on offense. We have the ball. It's his game. It's his stadium. It's his power. It's his authority. But we got the ball. We make the plays. I, I like to say it like this: God is in charge of the product, but the church is in charge of the distribution. This is why we help the poor. Come on. it's why we feed the homeless. This is why we love on the unlovable. Because we have love in us. And all the world can come up with is something artificial. We've got the real thing. You know, it's it's just like what Jacob saw. And uh, many of you have heard this in Genesis chapter 28 that Jacob is kind of running from his life and he pulls up a, uh, not a pillow, but a rock to use as a pillow and he rests his head on it. It says that when he laid down, that he dreamed. And when he dreamed, it said that he saw a stairway to heaven or a ladder going up to heaven. And upon this ladder were angels and they were coming up and going down. They were going on the earth, going back up into heaven. And he said, the Lord stood at the top of the ladder but he saw all this activity, this heavenly activity going from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. I give you the keys. When it, At the end of this, he said, this place is Bethel. And he said, this, this is the place. He said, surely this is the gate of heaven. And that word actually means this. It's, it's uh, shahar. And that word means an opening of heaven, an opening that was split open. It was something that was closed and God ripped it open. And so on, in Pentecost, what happened with Peter, which we're going to be talking about in our series coming up, is Peter and the disciples were there. God peeled open the heavens. And all of a sudden, the things that Jacob dreamed of were happening, angelic activity. This is what happened with Jesus. When Jesus was walking on the earth, he says, I don't do anything unless my father tells me to do it. What was he? Jesus was a portal. Yeah. He is a portal, right? He's a gateway. He's an access point. I know portal's a weird word. My son plays this game called Skylanders. He kind of plays it. He's just more of a collector now. But on, on this, basically what Skylanders are is they're these little action figures. And you go to the store and you pay 10 bucks for them. But you've got to buy the game for the Xbox or whatever. And so you, you have this thing called a portal. And so when you have this little figurine, you've got to go buy the figure. To play in the game with this guy, you have to put him on the portal. And so what happens is when you put this little guy on there, all of a sudden he shows up in the video game. I'm like, dang, I wish they would have had that when I was a kid. Like, I would have never left the house. And, uh, and so, we, God has put us in the game. And we are, listen, we are the portal. We are the one that God uses on the earth. We are the gateway. That's what David said in Psalm 24. He said, lift up your heads, O you gates, that the king of glory may come in. God comes and God shows up because people say yes. God shows up through people. That's why some people are going to attack you and other people are going to love you. Because they want what heaven has. But we have what heaven has. So, what does this have to do with vision? Everything. Because this overflow church, we're not just a church, but we're a church of people that, with my heart, I hope that every person would get this that I'm a key holder. I am a key holder we got a couple of keys for this building. Just a couple. You can't get in this building without a key. Right? Somebody had to come this morning. Some handsome man had to come this morning and unlock that door so you could get up in here. Right? (laughs) Right? So he had to go and he had to unlock that door for you to be able to come in. It's the same way. We're the key holders. If people are going to come into the kingdom, it's going to be because we've decided to say, yes, God is here. I'll open the door. I'll get out of the way. I'll humble myself. It is not about you. You're just a vessel. You're just a portal. You're just a gateway for God to use. You know, there was a, there was a thing, I want to say 10, 20 years ago, people were like, you're just using me. You guys ever heard that? That's how I want to be with God. You're just using me. Use me, use me. Because what I've found is that whenever I'm full of God, that he just pours out of me. He overflows from my life. So what we've got to have is we've got to have an encounter like Peter had where on, on, in Acts chapter 2, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and then, boom, poured out of him. So it's not just enough for you to be, listen, you can survive or you can revive. It's really up to you. And if all you've got enough is to survive, then you ain't going to give hope to anybody else. But God's got more for you than that. He wants to fill you up and pour out of you and you spill. That's, what, that's all it is. You're just spillage of heaven. So when we're crying out, God, would you fill me up, fill me up, we're not just saying, oh, so I can feel hopeful today, so I can feel encouraged today. God, would you fill me up and pour out of me? Can can I tell you tonight, today, this morning, can I tell you that when God fills you, that he will pour out of you? Your cup runs over. Overflow. That's what this is about. So our purpose here at Overflow is that every person in our community would encounter the reality of Jesus, that they wouldn't just read a book and have a sacred book and that they can carry in their pocket or have on their iPhone and have scripture memorized like they know good truth or, no, 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 but then people encounter him, we're not minimizing the power of the word of God, we love that, but people would experience the word, that they would have a, an encounter with the reality of you, I don't know about you, but man, people could preach at me all day long, but until I'm face to face with God, nothing, nothing changes, It's just information. And listen, it doesn't matter how powerful the information, until you're confronted with it, until it comes in and fills you, it's just information. But until that information becomes revelation, it doesn't do anything. And so we don't want to just give information to people. We want people to be like encountered with God. So that's our vision. The people encounter the reality. If you're sick, the reality you need is healing. If you're discouraged, the reality you need is hope. We have all that. And we're learning to unlock. Are you with me? I hope this doesn't seem arrogant. It's not. It's just our authority. We've just got to believe it. So our purpose is that every person in our community would encounter the reality of Jesus in a real way. Not just a book. Not just, I was a good little Christian growing up. That's great. That's great. I'm glad you have that grid. But how real is it to you? I don't care about how many scriptures you memorize. I'm talking about, like, how real is God in your life? So real that you'll sneak away to have moments with just you and him? Or is he just a concept and a philosophy in your mind? I love all that, but there's more. So our purpose is that every person would encounter the reality. Our philosophy is this, that if people are well connected with Jesus, he'll bring fulfillment to every area of their life. And that happens in the context of encounter. So we're like, People are like, well, what are we going to do about this issue? And we're going to do that issue. The, 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 the answer to everything is just an encounter. The answer to everything is more of his presence. The answer to everything is more of his reality in my life. It's the answer to everything. I'm discouraged. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. It's the answer. It's the answer. Everything is answer. You're just, you're, just, you're just one encounter away. From that issue being solved. Every issue in your life, poverty, sickness, is, is solved in an encounter. Every issue is solved in an encounter. Well, you guys are all about like experience. Yes, we are. Because experience is what changes us. Come on, we're solid. Are you with me? We're not living from experience, we're living for it. And not just going, well, because there are times you're not going to feel it, but if you don't have some, if you don't have some a, a point, a reference point in your life, then you're probably going to fall to pieces. And so what God wants to do is He wants to set up markers, encounters with our, in our life that we always have something to fall back on. But God, I remember when you touched me. I remember when you told me that. I remember when you healed my body. I remember when I was discouraged and you did that. And now you have reference points. Now you have markers in your life of what God did. So that's our philosophy. Man, everything's really solved in his presence. We don't have to get all like technical and have fancy little mission statements and all this kind of all this kind of worldly marketing. No, 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 no. What, 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 what you guys want to do in your church, man? We just want people to encounter Jesus. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what what? That's it. So this is our people. Our people are kingdom cultured. That we think this way, that we're presence-centered, that the presence of Jesus is at the center of everything that we do. And we're relationally connected. How many know that if you don't take time to build the relationships right now when you don't need them, you won't have them when you need them? So it's so vital. Listen, community, uh, Leslie and I had to go through a very difficult season in our life to understand the importance of having godly friends. Because sometimes we, we, we need someone that's having an encounter when we're not having one to come to us and love on us so we can have one. Are you with me? And so, it's, 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 so sometimes when you're discouraged, you need that brother or sister that you're in a relationship with. Sometimes you need that accountability of someone that you trust that's going to come up to you and call you out when you're doing something stupid. You know what we do in church most of the time when someone calls us out, when they break our comfort zone, we break fellowship with them. And God's like, why did you do that? Most churches, more churches are split by the, by the but you people are like, oh, all that immorality in the church. Did you know that more churches are split by the color of the carpet than they are because some preacher sinned? Because we get offended. Why? Because we don't trust one another. We better get over it. The only way that happens is by spending time together, loving on one another, taking care of one another, and correcting each other. When we do, do something stupid, we say, hey, bro, you've got to stop doing that. And we're not like, he thinks I you judging me, right? I'm not judging you, I'm loving on you. And whenever I screw up, please speak into my life as well. Because I will, and I'll need somebody there to call me on it. Because I'm probably going to think I'm right. And you are too, right? I'm just being real. So here at Overflow, there's levels of involvement that you can be in. You can be an attender. That's awesome. We'd love for you to attend. Just show up every week. Maybe go to an event or or a community group or something every once in a while. We love attenders. We're so glad for that. Or you can be a partner with us. You can be an attender or you can be a partner. And you say, hey, as a partner, I'm an attender. But I'm also serving here. I'm also fulfilling God's mandate here. I'm also Joining up with other believers i'm also getting involved in a community group i'm also getting involved in a ladies bible study i'm also doing these things i'm also going to partner financially with you these are what we call partners now, You know it's not all about the money but it takes money to do ministry People that would come alongside of us and serve you know jesus says this uh matthew chapter 23 11, he said the greatest will be your servant the greatest servant that ever lived was Jesus. The greatest leader that ever lived is Jesus. Right? So the thing is, is the key to leadership is serving. And I said it a few minutes ago, is that we would, we would, we would rule like servants and we would serve like kings. We would serve like Jesus served. We, in, in our society, we want to be over people, and Jesus is teaching us to get under people and lift people up. Not try to tell them and correct them and do that. I don't know if you just do it the way I am and you would be awesome like me. And you would check me out. No, 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 no. Make everybody else feel little so I feel big. That is not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is, hey, let me just encourage you. Let me just lift you up. Let me make you feel better about what's going on in your life. Amen. Right? So we would be partners, servants, people that would come and say, yeah, we want to serve here. And then we're going to, here in a a few weeks, in September 21st, we're going to launch leadership here at Overflow. Now, we've been praying about this for about a year. How are we going to do leadership here at Overflow? And really what's been on my heart is that we're not just trying to get people to come in and lead in our church. But we really feel like God is calling us to raise up leaders in the community. So we're not just doing training for people to come in and be like, a prayer ministry leader. We're doing that, but really what we're trying to do with these leadership tracks is we're trying to give people training so they can lead in their home, so they can lead at their workplace, so they can lead on their campus. And so what we're, we're wanting to do is raise up leaders, not just have an accountability system for those that lead in our church. That's part of it, but our heart is that we want to give people, we want to teach people how to lead. And so Leslie and I have been doing min- a combined ministry experience of about over 30 years and so we want to give you guys that experience and bring some other people in those type of things so we're going to if you want to get more information about that we have a little section on the website overflowdfw.com forward slash leadership and we're not starting that right now but we're going to start it soon and some of you need to go and look at that there's just a little a small commitment that we're asking that people just be faithful and they say you know what i don't want to just come i don't want to just come and serve but i actually want to lead And I don't want to just lead in this church, but I want to lead in this community. So if you guys want to go there, you can. So we've talked a little bit about our purpose, our philosophy, and our people. And I want to talk about our plan. This is what we're doing as a church. First of all, we're already doing some things. We just launched this past week a community group, and we meet at our house uh, on wednesdays but really our heart is that we wouldn't just have one community group but that we would have community groups all over the metroplex that way you don't have to drive 30 minutes to come to our house but you could have one in Euless or you could have one down in mansfield and it'll be at your house and 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 you would have a community of people that you're loving on and you would lead those people and god would do something in you and so we're believing that there will be community groups all over the metroplex and then we have uh community groups that that meet you know, that, like the women's prayer group that we have on the third Saturday of every month. This is just a community group. This is just a way for women to come together and pray and, and do some things for the kingdom. And so, you know, pretty soon we're wanting to launch a men's group, you know. And uh, we're wanting to have a man that would say, you know what, I have a heart for men's ministry. And I feel like that we need to get together. We need to provide some accountability so we're not looking at porn anymore. Yeah. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. And, and, and challenge one another, not just sit around and talk about how much, how much you bench, you know, or whatever it is. Do you even lift, bro? No. But we get together and say, what's God doing in your life, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're believing that. So another thing that we're going to be doing really soon, we get this question all the time, do you guys have a student ministry? We don't, but we will. And we're going to have one here in the next couple of weeks. We're actually partnering with Christ for the Nations, where we have a relationship with the school. We're actually they're going to actually be sending somebody over. That'll be here next Sunday. We're going to have a, a youth pastor in house that that is working that we're working along with the school. That we're going to launch a ministry here. Uh, there'll be a little bit more details as we do that. But that's one of the things that we're doing. They got this program called Generational Education, and we'll basically. I did youth ministry for almost twenty years, so I get to like pour my stuff, and that the school's pouring their stuff into them, and we're going to have uh, someone come, and they should be here next week, and we're going to start working with someone to come in and, and to help impact our schools and our community and start bringing some teenagers in, some young people. I know that some of y'all are young. How many of y'all are under 25 in this room? So yeah, most of us, uh, but we're, we're, we're talking about using some of you guys and then connecting with, with younger people. So um, I forgot to raise my hand. I'm under 25. Uh, <laughs> Why y'all laughing? <laughs> All right. So. And then the other thing that, that we're doing, the plan, is, is have ministry teams. We already have the Love Project that goes and, and ministers on college campuses. We're really going to focus on DBU. Just because it's Dallas Baptist University doesn't mean that everybody's a happy little Baptist. We know that, right? And so how many you know that we need some love going on there? We need some kingdom release there. Uh, we're, we're believing, God, that, that we're a creative church. We're, we're very creative. We're focused on creativity. And we want to provide an atmosphere for the arts, for people that have gifts, whether it's photography or whether it's painting or molding something or. Some, or technical arts, and we're uh, an opportunity for people to be able to, to exercise their gifts and to skill their gifts. How many know that you can have gifts all day long, but if you don't have skill, nothing's going to happen from your gifts? Come on, are you with me? So, so there's the gift set that we're born with, and then there's the skills, the way that we learn to, to uh, use those things, optimize those things. Is that what you said, optimize? Operate, function. All right. Uh, We have a homeless ministry we just did last weekend. Jen led that, man. It was just powerful going and loving on people and giving people, you know, working out of the back of cars and people coming up and having conversations. So we love that. When these are things we're going to continue to do. uh, My heart is that we would reach. We have some low-income apartment complexes right around. I think God put us in this building to impact this community. That God would drop down and boom bust out of this place with the fire of God and so we, we have apartment complex right there we have another one right here we have South Grand Prairie High School right there all these places need an encounter with Jesus but it's going to take somebody that would say I want to go I'm going to be there every month or we're going to rent a water slide I'm going to set it out there we'll love on kids and love on their parents but, but who's going to do it we are, Who, we, we are. so somebody's going to have the heart to lead that Um, we, we really believe that we need to have more of a ministry team to do prayer and, and healing and things like that on Sunday morning. so that's something that we're going to be doing, um, You know, one of the things that's really on my heart that eventually with Overflow Church, you know, we're still under two years old, but that uh, that eventually we would have a 24-hour house of prayer functioning out of our church, that we would have night and day prayer and intercession going on continually. Well, that isn't going to happen unless we start doing like a Friday night once a month. And so we're believing that somebody will have the vision that God will spark that in them and they'll say, yes, I want to do that. I want to see that happen. Well, come on, let's do it. And so our heart is to equip the saints for ministry. And there's not, there's not enough churches that are doing that. I love the church. I love what God's doing. But, but we, if you're at this church and you're plugged in at this church, it's not just so you can come and get a good word and good worship, and I hope that you do get that, but it's so that you can come and you can get skills and you can minister. Because if you're a kingdom citizen, you're a minister, you're a key holder. And so we want to help you unlock some things. And so if you want to get involved in our ministry teams or you want to serve, all those things, you can go to the website, overflow.com forward slash... Get in the flow. We also have some forms right back there. You can just fill that out. We're not asking for blood. type. We're not screening you. Um, we probably, some of you, we probably do need a screen. Um, but we'll just kind of cross that bridge when we get there. And so, um, anyway, so that's kind of our heart. I'm going to close up here. I'm going to kind of enter preaching mode again. Are y'all all right? Habakkuk 2.2 says this. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that, that, that he may run who reads it. And so, in Habakkuk, what it's talking about is these people, there were, in in those days, how many know they didn't have UPS and internet and Dropbox and ways to share files and information? So, there were people that were born skilled with the ability to run. And, uh, and so many times these were, like, considered, like, heralding angels. Even though they were humans, they were people that would run and they would herald. They would be people that go and spread the message. So what would happen is a king would want to communicate to another king. So he'd write a letter and he'd fold it up and he'd hand it to this guy and he'd run. Right? And he'd communicate what the king wanted to communicate to somebody else. How I many you other know the king couldn't do that because he'd probably get wore out and die? Maybe somebody is, you know, had a bounty on him, so somebody wanted to kill him. And so they were, there were these people called runners. So in this scripture, it's talking about people that would read, that would actually read the vision. They would know the vision, and they would go out, and they would take the vision, and they would declare the vision. They said, say, this is the vision. This is, what, this is what the king is saying. This is what we're going to do, and this is what we are as kingdom citizens is we've got the vision of heaven, and we're running, and we're declaring, and we're saying, this is what God is saying. This is the mandate of heaven. Are you with me? And so we need runners, runners of the vision. Why are you here? We're not just here to have services and gatherings and kumbaya. And, yeah, wasn't well, that cool when God touched me? No, 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 no. We're here to bring hope to the world. So God's put you in here so you can get plugged in here and you can get a heart here and you can just function out of this place. Jesus says it this way, Matthew chapter 9. This is when Jesus went to cities and villages teaching their synagogues, preaching. Jesus went and preached. He went. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Jesus healed every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it says that Jesus wasn't just doing what he was supposed to do. He actually loved the people. And it says that he was moved with compassion. What motivated him Was it his heart for the people? And it says this, that that he saw the people like sheep without a shepherd. And so like when I'm at Walmart sometimes, like God will give me a download and I'll see the people there and my heart will be moved because I'm like, they're just sheep and they don't have anybody to lead them. They don't have anybody to love on them. They don't have anybody to pray for them. And that God would give us the heart of Jesus, that we would see our community. We would see those that are lost, and we wouldn't shake our head and say, if they just knew God, and we wouldn't be bitter. We would look at them and we'd say, they need a shepherd. They need the great shepherd, but they need someone to take them to the great shepherd. And I'll be that one. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so he tells the disciples this. He says, guys, the harvest, it's plentiful. So what do we do? Let's, let's pray for the lost. Start a campaign. That's what he did. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers few. See, in America, we don't have a government problem. We have a church problem. America's in the condition it is not because we've elected the wrong people. It's because we've been the wrong people. And if we would see this world as broken and hurting and needy, and we would run to the world like Jesus did and be moved with compassion, we would see something happen. And we wouldn't complain about the situations anymore. We would boast about the greatness of our God. The harvest is ready, man. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. I love this because this is the prayer that we can't pray without answering first. I pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. So we don't sit around and pray, Lord, would you send some lost people? No, they're out there. Lord, would you send some needy people? No, they're out there. But will you go? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. It's the prayer that we have to answer to pray. We're praying, God, send forth the laborers, and I'll go. But God, would you send more? So when we started this church, we didn't say, God, would you just send people in to come in? No, we said, God, would you send forth laborers? Would you send people that would have the heart of Jesus to take Jesus to a community that they would overflow with the presence of Jesus?